0: Hey everybody, happy November, Doug here, one of the host, producers, and creators of the John of Your Life Podcast, bringing you out a review roundup episode this week. Uh, but not, my notice, there was no episode last week of the full show of the John of Your Life Podcast, that was on me. We had a bunch of, bunch of friends coming out of town to visit for Halloween, so scheduling-wise, Nick and I went to the screening last week, we couldn't make a time to record an episode, but have no fear, the boys and I will be back this week better than ever. But on this week's episode, I'm going to be reviewing Five Nights at Freddy's, as well as Sony Pictures' Dumb Money. So i got two reviews for you. I'm looking forward to reviewing on the show. As always, guys, you can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform of choice. We also have a full audio show on our YouTube page, youtube.com backslash. Maybe we have new productions. While you're on YouTube, while you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or if you're in this podcast, listening on um hit that review button hit that follow button it leaves leave a review leave a rating hit the follow button it helps us out so much guys seriously thank you so much for your ongoing support it means the world to us it means the world to me uh you know the show couldn't exist without you guys so thank you thank you so much for your ongoing support like i said guys last week was a bit of a crazy week we had a friends in town for halloween uh you know nick and i went to the finite Freddy's screening last wednesday it was just timing was not on our on our side unfortunately so Want to put out my review for these movies uh, as soon as possible. Um always, again, a little bit of a big news too. My girlfriend and I became uh, dog parents uh, a few weeks ago. It's been kind of a crazy October, so why I wasn't many episodes out this past month. That was on me. Like I said, my girlfriend and I adopted a really beautiful two and a half year old collie Shepard mix, Blue. That w- he's the best. Um, but yeah, guys, so, uh, welcome back. Except like we're having more frequent of the shows again. That was on me. Again, totally on me. That's past month. So. Hope you're excited for a lot of upcoming cool stuff. I know we got Hunger Games coming out, Um, The Holdover is coming out, which I cannot wait to review. I love that movie so much. But in the meantime, guys, like I said, this week's episode, I'll be reviewing Five Nights at Freddy's, which was a huge box office smash this past weekend, as well as so many pictures of the movie, Dumb Money, which I thought was very, very, very smart and very fun, and fortunately didn't do well at the box office. So let's get into it, shall we? I'm going to start with, of course, the bigger one, which is Five Nights at Freddy's, and you know... Going to this one, I was very curious. I had a lot of curious things about it because I've never played the game. I'm a gamer, but I played stuff like, you know, GTA, Call of Duty, Spider-Man, stuff like that, Halo. But I never got into that Final Nights at kind of, like, chaos that w- when that phenomenon that came out. So, never got into it, obviously. But, you know, I'm looking, yeah, looking forward to it because, again, I'm a Blumhouse fan. Um, I Also a big Josh Hutcherson fan, Matthew Lither fan. But, again, I like going into things blind, not knowing much I watched the first trailer, obviously, and that was it. Want to go in blind as possible, but a year ago, I knew something was going to be up because, not up, but I had my little bit of a kind of concern was that um, you know the they were uh, Universal and Peacock were doing the day and day release, Uh, both the movie going to be debuted in theaters and on Peacock the very same day. If you heard the show before. I'm not the biggest fan of that method or strategy. I know during COVID when that happened, you know, HBO Max and Warner Brothers lost a lot of money with stuff like uh the Suicide Squad, Godzilla versus King Kong. And I know it was still COVID. We were, still, we were getting kind of getting out of that. Getting out of that, we became vaccinated and the vaccines, obviously. But you know, it just it cost them a lot of money. And I was thinking, wow, these these day in day release streaming things kind of hurting. Oh, Dune was a big example i thought it was kind of hurting the bigger box office picture at the you know, getting people back to the theaters you're also putting these big movies whether it was matrix 4 or king richard or dune you know gods of the versus kong suicide squad you know uh the list goes on and on or um i think it was conjuring 3 was another one it was just like hey oh in the heights it was a lot of movies that were affected by the box office at a time where we needed people back in the theaters supporting these movies on the big screen with an audience with the crowd and unfortunately that wasn't the case, so I I had my I do have my doubts on day and day release. I know Universal's still doing it with some of their movies, i.e. the Halloween trilogy, the last two of the, of the franchise, which I know were very very divisive. I I enjoyed Halloween Kills and Ends for what they were. Not the hugest fan, of, not the biggest fan of those movies, but I, lo- I love the 2018 one so much, but. I had my thoughts, and then I saw this announced last my like, year ago that it was gonna be on, on day and day release on Peacock. I was like, oh no, because to me, I'm like, you don't have faith. You don't have faith in your your product, your movie, and I don't know. I was kind of skeptical because I was like, you know, I don't know much about the, the the game, but I know there's a huge, huge diehard fan base for it. So it, you know, it kind of, it kind of, like I say, it kind of, not. It still piqued my interest, but it kind of like. I wasn't as excited that, that probably would have been if it wasn't for the day and day release stuff. But with that said, you know I, I'm going to put that put that to the side. Um, you know this this movie also too at the screening we went to. You know we as as press we check in and we walk in and you know, we're good to and we kind of like sit down. It was amazing seeing the turnout for this screening because there was like over like 200 fans that people and a lot of them couldn't even get in because it was just like whoa this is a moment because there's a huge diehard fan base for this for this for this um, you know franchise and it's amazing because it's really cool to see like. People show up to the theaters and, you know, really supporting what they love. If you're if you're true to your fan base, they're going to show up, whether it's Five Nights at Freddy's, DC, Marvel, Star Wars, whatever. I do think the hardcore fan, fan base will show up no matter what. And it was really cool walking down that theater, seeing people with their shirts on, their fan art, stuff like that. And it was really cool to see that kind of like that phenomenon still like reaching the you know, theatrical experience. So that was really cool i'll tell you what too this movie for sure ruined chucky e. cheese for me um <laughs> i don't go there anymore obviously but still if I, if I go back there i'm like i can't i can't unsee this movie now and uh I go to chucky e. cheese or whatever but <laughs> my little kind of little joke <laughs> that i had for the movie um so for me again so, again going into not knowing anything about about this franchise or the game whatever i was very curious i'll tell you what starting off the good you know the I love practical effects. I think I'm appreciating them more and more now with more movies. You know, the Jim Henson's Creature Shop made the made the designs of these of the creatures of of the, of the animatronics, and man, they look fantastic. Uh, there's definitely CGI to be used there, obviously in in certain parts, but wow, like the texture and the you know just the detail of these animatronic suits look phenomenal. And comparing it to what the game looks like, they did an amazing job of copying it uh, to screen incredibly well. And like I said, like jim henson you know muppets you know what's goes on and on land like there's so many things that they've been a part of i think also uh the original ninja turtles which is a big part of my childhood was made by the dimension creature shop so the suits and animatronics look phenomenal and i was again really in awe of that also too you know the set design production design to me was really damn good you know blumhouse to me i think sometimes will have really good production stuff and that's so much good production work or production sets um sorry i said design and to me this was a really win for blumhouse of like wow like the production and like the set of alone looks phenomenal like the detail on the walls of posters and co- and tokens and games look, looks truly authentic and it looked really good to the like, overall lore of the movie and the storytelling because i'm like you know if you have this really important like place which is freddy fazbear's which is the place that the, the, the movie takes place in it's a winner. It's make it or break it. If if you can't if you can't believe that this is gonna be like where we're gonna be in the next hour and a half to two hours, or doesn't look as real or realistic, you're gonna you're gonna lose us. And I thought the set design and the production production design alone of this of this location was incredible. Again, I think one of Blumhouse's best, if you ask me. Um, like I said. With that said, the environment too is like you feel like. Oh, this is a definitely a rundown, down abandoned Chuck E. Cheese, and then also, also, I'm a sucker for like stuff that's in like, abandoned warehouses or abandoned theaters, stuff like that. I know I, I love stuff like that for some reason, and that was to me, I was just like, wow, it, it was very eerie, it was very disturbing, and like you tell, like, ooh, we don't belong here. We're walking around like something's off, something doesn't feel good, and I just felt to me, i was like, ooh, it's so off putting, but in the in the best possible way. I was like, wow, it really kind of entices you, very really intrigues you into like what what we have in store for us. So like that a lot. Again, the lore of it as said. Well, it where the you know it has the, the whole dismay of it. Like what, like if these walls could talk, what would they say? You know, what's so haunted about this place? What's so um, you know ugh, about it? Um, I love that about it. And, you know, when it gets dark, it gets really dark. You know, I, there's some parts where you know for a PG-13 rating, it goes places where I was like, wow, this is you know, Blumhouse is kind of pushing the envelope of like how far can we go with a PG-13 rating? I.e., Megan, you know, beginning of the year, that was a PG-13 movie as well, when there was some like pretty dark, pretty some uh, horrific stuff for a PG-13 rating or as much as they could given that rating. And same thing here, when there's scenes where like, there's scenes where like, you're like, wow, for a, this rating of a movie, they got away with some pretty, you know, gross stuff. And I was kind of like, wow, good for them. You know, hats off to them that they were trying to push the rating as much as they can. So give them that. And also too, I am you know, I grew up watching Matthew Lillard on stuff like, you know, Scooby-Doo, obviously, um, the one, uh, She's All That it was a big one of mine growing up. And as I also got older, I loved The sk- First Scream. And so it was really cool to see him back in a, in a big movie like this. Um, or he's a good dude, too, so it's always kind of cool seeing him just kind of, like, popping and stuff like that. And I thought his, who he plays and his character was very intriguing. Also, I thought he was really kind of giving to his performance. Like he was kind of just like, you know, I'm in this movie, I'm going I'm to do my best, you know. I, I think he's a gamer, too, so it would be kind of cool if he knew, like, hey, I want to, like, really kind of do this character do the or do this uh you know uh you know this franchise justice so it was really cool seeing him back on a on the big screen um and you know with the humor you know I'm very I, I do judge humor a lot more than I think more than recently and when the humor works it definitely works in this one for sure I you know Nick and I were definitely laughing a couple of times or like, laughing out like oh it's kind of funny um so I definitely there's times where I me kind of Laughing out loud, or kind of just like, oh, chuckling, like, oh, this was this was pretty funny. It was a good joke here and there, or some of the cameos that Nick mentioned. Our reaction that they were kind of funny. So uh, when the humor the, when humor works, it definitely worked for me in the, for the most part. Um, besides Matthew Lillard and Hutcherson, who I also like, um, I like that it was a really relatively unknown and small cast. I didn't really know. I didn't know the uh, other actors playing the end, or, or playing the officer, or playing the kind of like um, other neighborhood uh, goons, stuff like that. I like that. I didn't know like the the main cast for Hutcherson and Lillard. Uh, like I said, uh, girl who plays Vanessa. I didn't know girl who played Abby. I didn't know girl who plays Aunt Jane, and kind of like everyone else around the area, around in the in the storyline. I didn't really know who they were. I I thought that was cool. I we didn't see like you know the kids from It or Stranger Things showing up or I don't know. So like may Chalamet playing this role or someone like I don't know. Someone like, like that or Millie Bobby Brown. It's this was a very, except for the two Lillard and Hutcherson, this was a very unknown cast. I'm like, cool. It definitely like felt more real at times with having that kind of cast. So again, I give him kudos for that as well. Um, again, as you know, Josh, uh, Nick mentioned our at of theater reaction. Like, it's the some of the cameos I didn't really know about that Nick kind of explained to me. Like, oh, it's kind of funny because you the cameos that kind of had like a connection to, connection to the game somehow or some kind of film world scenario kind of thing so that was kind of fun and the opening scene of this movie really got me i was like whoa okay i like this i like this a lot like it's kind, of, it's kind of setting the tone a little bit and i I love a good kind of just like quick kind of quick action scene that kind of sets the mood or like opens the movie like that or even close the movie but this one the the the, the opening scene definitely had me "Oh, i've been for it with that said i can laugh off a lot of pros i i have a lot more issues unfortunately with this movie that that things I like, because um, I was looking forward to like this movie. I, the, again, the trailer sold me for sure, Um despite me knowing that it was a day and day release Peacock um release as well as theaters. And given that track record for the past day and day releases for Peacock, I'm still again I'm still I'm still optimistic. But like I said, you know, I wanted to like this movie a lot. I really did. I just, but you know, this is where I had issues with it. I think to me it was a. It felt rushed at times, where you know this it could have been fully. De- it didn't feel like fully developed. Like this was a first draft of, draft of a script that was like, what first draft make a, make, a, make a few tweaks and then you know what we're off to the races. We're making the movie, and you know I've been again as someone who's seen a lot of movies. I'm a huge film nerd, film buff. I think that this movie could have definitely helped from a benefited from a tighter script or a just a more developed script because it's all over the place at times, unfortunately, or. I think the movie could even um, benefited from a longer runtime because like an, an hour forty five, hour forty, hour fifty, and I at my watch at one point it was an hour in. I was like, when are we getting to this stuff? Because because they for sure set up a lot of stuff where it's like, wait, you know, we're an hour in already. Why haven't we got this yet? Why haven't we seen this yet? Why isn't this explained yet? And it's like you spend you spend an hour showing us a lot of stuff of the backstory for certain things. You're just like, wait a second, can we get move on to this now? And then they spent a lot of time. I want not say waste a lot of time, but it felt like they kind of wasted a lot of time that they could have spent on other stuff in, instead of this. If, again, if, again, if you ask me personally, so I was kind of like, oh, okay, what's... I mean, maybe they'll deliver later. And it just, it felt like this movie could use a lot more, a lot more breathing and run time or just more time in general to like, you know, like fully develop the story. Um, so that's why I had a huge issue with, like I said too, I think I don't want to spoil too much for this movie, but if you already saw it, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm trying to keep as non as possible. Um, to me, it just I wish they spent more time at Freddy's because I felt like there was a lot more time being spent outside of in the real world in, in the in the world, the real world, and the outside world. Uh, you know, and like yeah, in the suburbia, the house, you know, the office, restaurants. I felt like they could have spent more time in actual Freddy's because yeah, you had this beautiful this really amazing set design, set in production that you made of the replica of Freddy Fazbear's and you had the huge, beautiful animatronics that are really well-made, not getting beautiful, but you know what I mean, but like really well-made crafted stuff. Use that. You want to use that as much as you can. That, that is your kind of like, that's your, 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 golden, your golden ticket. Like bring that in for us to kind of like be in that world and be in that lore. So I was kind of hoping that we spend more time with it and that you kind of feel like they can spend more time outside of the actual pizzeria. So, you're like, man, come on now. And, you know, I know this movie has a fan base of more younger audiences, like kind of like a pre-tween or teens, like it's kind of your first entry-level horror movie. With that said, I do feel like the rating of having PG-13 kind of held it back a lot. You're just like, oh, man, if they had it rated R, they could have done a lot more stuff with it or could have, could have, like, not hold, not kind of resisted more, not held back. They could have done a lot more with terms of violence and the disturbing nature of what, what capable these animatronics are capable of and, like, the horrors that kind of like, reek those animatronics as well as the pizzeria itself you're just like oh man this would have been crazy so i get it it's also again you can make more money too sometimes with a pg-13 rating for a horror movie but one with one with an ip like this especially so i get it but as a horror fan as a movie fan i think having the rated r would definitely would have benefited a lot if you ask me personally um another thing i really had to knock it down this for is the acting you know Again, I'm a Hutcherson fan, Hutcherson fan for sure, and I praised, you know, having the unknown cast. The acting in this is really unimpressive, and they don't really give anything. You can tell they're either underacting or overacting, and there's times where, you know, for, for uh character of Mike, played by Hutcherson, and, you know, uh, Vanessa, played by Elizabeth Lale, they're not really giving much. It's either, like, kind of just, like, one-note performances or just kind of like, oh, no, she going in there, it's not good. It was very overacting at times. You're just like, oh, no, like this is a this is a studio decent not huge but like lower budget not not lower but like for a Blumhouse pick 25 mil was kind of high on their end for a Blumhouse movie so it just felt like the acting was just very stale at times or it just, it just, this was kind of more for a paycheck like i mean for like you know for the fans whatever for a paycheck and to me i was just like oh man the acting to me is not giving anything and like I said it comes off as very stale at times Or like oh man they gotta put more into this or make, make us believe this but I didn't really feel that throughout I mean I think the biggest thing I got from it was Matthew Lillard's character like what he was doing in the movie that his performance to me I was like okay I'm intrigued by this like where is where's he going to go with this how's he going to perform this that I was into I was like cool I'm into this let's go but everyone else has felt just so kind of like bland and I know it's hard even with child actors too I you know with her, uh, the, the character of the, of the sister in this it's to me just like it's you know, I think of like stuff like it or you know, Stranger Things or you know it's it's tough you know with child actors it's, it's different obviously but we've seen it we've seen it done so well now or even think, like, like the Adam Project the young boy playing the young Ryan Reynolds we see it now the past couple of years that like that trend of like bad child acting has kind of like gotten better but this one we kind of sets it back again like oh man this we thought we were kind past this but it just to me just no one there's no chemistry between the leads of uh josh hutcherson and uh uh, and vanessa and even with his sister too like it feels like more like more like it's kind of just like a big brother program now like more like a actual sibling so it just didn't feel authentic to me or feel real um even and i said some of the characters are are not likable because you're just like what what like we want to root for you We want to see you do stuff we want to see you kind of like succeed but like I, I'm not on board with you because we, 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 I don't see like how can we get on board with you? How can we like you? Because it's just like it again, it's giving nothing. And I, I, again, for an antagonist for a protagonist, you want to have some kind of like connection with them or kind of like okay, I'm on the ride for them. Let's do it. I didn't feel that way whatsoever, and I do think that it, they're just not likable. Like there, there's, there's nothing in their characters that kind of like me. Like oh, I want this guy. I want to see this guy win, or I want to see this person win, or I see this girl kind of like you know survive. I didn't no one's likable and that's kind of and for me i, I, I want to be in a, i want to see movies movie that are likable characters or you want to root for the bad guys like like a like deadpool who's got an anti-hero or a logan who's also an anti-hero but you want to really just like have some kind of like likable qualities that you can like kind of like attach yourself with and this movie there was none of that personally um and another thing too that really bothered me i don't like things that are unexplained or go unanswered it's maybe one of the past couple of years too, I've been noticing that if a movie has things that they're going to set up, they don't explain or they don't like kind of like answer, I get super frustrated and I'm like, I'm out. It, it checks me out of the movie entirely or show. I'm like, if you're going to have all this kind of like stuff exp- set up or this lore expl- to, expl- to be explored or even explain and you don't, again, it's the first draft of a script kind of feeling. It's like, well, what, what were you guys thinking? What were you trying to accomplish with this? How do we get from here to there? And there was a lot of things that like, to not, expl- or not explain whatsoever, whether it's Josh's character, and things that are revealed, and twist, I'm gonna keep this non-spoiler as possible, but they don't go into it, or they don't explain like, oh yeah, this happened, and here's what happened, so they say what happens, and that's it, they walk away from it, and again, I've I've been very, you know, vocal about this, on other shows, and things i reviewed, I'm like, man, there's something that I can like, I, again, give me an answer to like this, because it's, you're setting all this up, it's a big part of the story, but you, you end the movie of like, eh, that's it, and, I, the answer kind of means cliche of like oh it's up, up, up to the fans' interpretation. I hate to me that's a very kind of like it's really like kind of like oh like I don't know half ass answer you're just like oh come on now like you don't, you don't have an answer to begin with you're kind of saying that to like kind of like and I was like oh yeah it was kind of it's a very kind of just like easy way to go and that to me is like I don't I it's lazy, it's lazy storytelling and that's lazy script writing screenwriting and lazy direction if you ask me so again i was there's there's a lot of time there is leading up to this like kind of reveals and stuff like that and the reveal itself is very messy and not explained well whatsoever um and just to the script to me is all over the place i, I don't know what I'm trying to accomplish like i said there's a lots of stuff that either were when unexpl- unexplained or not fully developed to a point where it's frustrating because like i said there's so much time being spent on certain things and like crucial stuff to the plot too where i'm like oh, okay where are we going with this let's go okay and again stuff like the background of Freddy's itself, you know, the mystery of that place and what they reveal. It's not explained. It kind of goes, there you go. That's it. And it's like, and for me, because it's frustrating because I'm sitting there. I'm like, I want to, I want to know more about this. I want to know how this happened. I don't know how this person did this or how this thing became that. I want to know. And I just don't get that in this movie at all. And I'm like, wow, this to me again, is getting lazy, lazy, lazy storytelling and lazy writing. Um, seen the trailer too there's quote unquote dream sequences oh my goodness there's times where it felt repetitive after after, one after another and it's to me got got super boring where I was one of my I was like another one where they're trying to make it crucial to the plot but it's just another one it's another one it's another dream sequence and if you're if you make it different each time okay and they kind of did at times but it was like it was spent it was more time spent with these kind of dream sequences than there was actually in Freddy's and I'm like Again, you're taking away from the actual lore of why people want to come to the game. They want to come, fans of the game, they want to come to the movie for the the, uh, killer animatronics, the pizzeria itself, and how to survive this craziness nightmare that's going on. And if you take away from it, it takes away the scare. It takes takes away kind of like the anticipation of like the thrills and the scare and like the story nature of it all. It's like going back to the game. He leaves, going back to, you know, house, dream sequence, or dream sequence during, during, at Freddy's. It's like you're spending you're spending a lot of time on things that are a, super repetitive or things that don't have, or, or not moving the story forward. And that to me was like really the biggest takeaway from this movie. I'm like, man, you're spending too much time on things that you probably shouldn't. Um, when the humor works for me, it works for me. But I will say though, there's a lot of jokes that to me just went over my head or just fell flat where I'm like, wow, again, this is a, this is a draft one of a, Script that like oh this is pretty funny and they didn't like tune up the jokes or kind of like make all the jokes consistent because again they're, there's funny jokes there's funny jokes then there'll be like a couple minutes of just like unfunny stuff going on you're like all right you you had me in the first half you had me in the beginning now it's like it's so so unconsistent with the humor um like and that bothers me too because if you have humor in the movie hopefully the horror movie it has to be consistent enough that like hey this is funny throughout not funny po- funny at certain points here and there or at the beginning have it funny throughout and I think some of the jokes do fall flat even though I praise some of them at the beginning of the movie or during the middle, middle of the movie too again I, I'm looking forward to seeing how the, again it did really well this box office weekend with the 80 mil which is again for a Blumhouse movie it's a win it made money back that's awesome I'm looking forward to seeing the like kind of how, how it performed on Peacock as well like how much more money it could have made if it, if it had if it had been just a full theatrical non-day-day release stuff so again I'm looking forward to it but as I mentioned, I, I can't be too optimistic when a movie has a day-and-day release stuff nowadays because to me it's like you're kind of just putting this you're kinda of just putting this movie out there. Or like when the studio has a movie coming out on the theaters, and they go, Oh, selling it to Netflix or whatever streamer or last minute. It shows like there's no confidence in this movie. You're just dumping it on whatever streaming service that will buy it from you guys. So I, I do feel like that unfortunately with this movie a little bit, and I felt that like with other movies in the past of like you're just putting it on here because no we don't believe in it it's where save our asses put it on streaming people watch it then and call it a day so it's hard you know with the age of streaming kind of rising stuff like that it's it's unfortunate <coughs> excuse me but like it's you know it's nature of the business too how it's changing um i don't i i i guess as, as an aspiring filmmaker myself with, with nick and joelle and those are all aspiring filmmakers this was made by first time director this was her first major, I want to say her first major motion picture. Uh, well, for a studio movie, that is, I want to say, her first big movie. Um, I I like that. Again, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that Blumhouse is still taking risks on their filmmakers, for, for some directors. I don't think a movie like this with a huge, <coughs> excuse me, with a huge um, fan base like this should have had a more experienced director or experienced writer. I think the guy... Who made the game? Uh, Scott Cawthon, <coughs> excuse me, uh, allergy season. Uh, also, co-wrote the story co- screenplay as well, uh, and he got Seth Cuddle, Cuddyback, was the, one of the writers as well as uh, Emma Tammy. Emma Tammy, who's also the director. You got a lot of you got a lot of inexperienced writers and directors uh, on this movie. I would have tried if I was the if, I, if, I, if I'm Blumhouse, Jason Blum, and the I'm, universe I'm, I'm making this movie. I would have hired at least someone who had me a few horror movies down their resume, or at least a couple in the or a few films on the resume in general. Because I feel like trusting this movie with a with a, with a huge IP, with a huge fan base, with a first time director is kind of like it's a gamble. It's a gamble, and I think critically wise, it's this movie has not done well critically. Well, crit- critically is not well at all, but box office wise, it's done phenomenal because of the fan of the game. I would definitely be more comfortable. Like, hey, I'm gonna give this movie to a film director. To wait, no, to, a, to a experienced director, either a horror director, a few movies under under their belt, or a filmmaker, a filmmaker that had, had a few movies already done under their belt as well. Um, and you know, it's. I think it's uh, it's risky. It's very risky, but again, look at Jordan Peele. <coughs> Excuse me, uh, Jordan Peele, like. Has an example example again. He, he but he but he was a he was a comic before and he helped me on set whatever and then obviously with uh, Get Out he had a huge success obviously but also that was also a 3.5 mil budget movie. This is a 25 mil budget movie with a huge IP. I I think it would have been smart to either had had experienced writers come in and co write it co write it with her or have her wait made another movie first and then come in to do it because. I think having the experienced uh, filmmaker would have been really crucial to the movie itself. So again, that's just me. Um, you know, and again, the unanswered stuff. This movie ends without a full resolution, and they definitely open the door to a sequel. And if they're going to do one, they'll probably do one. I'll, I'll give me how much money this, this movie made, I just wish they I wish they spent more time developing the story and the and also the and also the direction and where, where to go from next because. There's a lot of things that were unexplained and unanswered and a lot of things I think fans and even myself too, not, not, not being a fan of the game, not knowing the game, by the game uh, prior to this, um, would have, I like, think, appreciated more because there's a lot to set up here. A lot of things that, like, were really, that worked in this movie that I wish they spent more time in because there's really some cool stuff where I was like, oh, they explained this more or did this more. This would have been great. Or, like, what I'm hearing too, and I agree with a lot of other critics, is that they should have spent the entire movie at the pizzeria with Mike, played by Hutcherson, the security guard, just kind of just being just like surviving five nights there, like not going back home or going somewhere else, because you're getting, you kill the lore, you kill like the scary, kind of like kill like the, the spookiness of it all if you keep going back and forth, back and forth. Just keep him there and have him survive the five five full nights there and not just worry about going back and leaving, stuff like that. It would make the movie a lot more tighter. I think it would make the script a lot more tighter uh, as well. So if they're gonna do that again, that's what I would do. Just focus more on the animatronics themselves, and the lore of the place, and the history of the place, and discovering more stuff while you're there, and not going any other place. Just keep it at the pizzeria. Uh, and I said, I think sometimes simple, simple is better. That to me sounds simple. It's a tight script. You you have this movie start start with the security guard pulling up first night. Okay, something up, but you but you develop and you kind of like you crank up the craziness and the, the horror stuff throughout each night. And you just, you, and you feel kind of like claustrophobia of like trapped there for five days or five nights. So, and that would work. Um, like I said, I, I don't hate this movie. I think a lot of critics are not like, a lot of fellow critics are not liking this movie. I, there's parts where I really enjoy it. Like I said, I like the animatronics, like the lore of it all. It just felt really flat to me in uh, a lot of places. I'm going to give this movie right now, give it a six out of theater reaction with Nick. I'm going to give it more of a five and a half to a six. I'm going more five and a half right now because. Like I said, there's parts where I really do like it, I do enjoy it, and again, again, I was really impressed with But there's times where I'm just like, Man, this, this is a big letdown! This is a big kind of just like, Man, like they could not tell much with this, and it's kind of just felt flat. Or again, it feels like a very kind of almost a student film at times because of how unexperienced some of the writers and directors are involved with this. So, yeah, five and a half. I think Nick might be more favorable on his review when he reviews it on the show, but look out for that then. But yeah, I even though it's on Peacock too, <laughs> excuse me, I would definitely. If you're a fan of this franchise, fans IP or fan of this game, I would still say, you know what? Go see you in theaters. I know we passed Halloween already, but if you are a fan of this franchise or this game, go see you in theaters. I think you'll get more of a more of experience in theaters than Peacock. But if you're low on the cash or low on the funds, whatever, you're going like, I'm gonna watch on Peacock, I have Peacock, watch on Peacock. I'm not I'm not gonna be like, oh, like, you know, you're hurting theatrical. But I do think you will might you might get a slightly better experience on in the theaters in Peacock but hey that's just me so I guess congrats everyone for a good again, opening weekend again that's awesome uh, again, it's, I'm, again I'm, glad these, I'm glad this movie did really well in theaters Can it helps more people come back to the theaters it helps the theater business the theatrical experience even more that's awesome but hoping for a sequel it's a very improved sequel or better story alright so this movie next Dumb Money so <coughs> excuse me said allergies have been crazy this past couple months Couple of months. Uh, Dumb Money is one actually I was very looking forward to. Uh, so I I thought this a few weeks ago. Like I said, I got kind of caught in the way with adopting the dog and other movies coming the way like Exorcist. So I've been very behind. But Dumb Money to me, okay, this is a movie that I've been looking forward to. Again, I I, I we, we all did this a couple of years ago during COVID because it was the crazy GameStop and AMC crash. And I I, I knew a little bit of a stock uh, stock market through my through my dad and like investing here and there through friends and family but i knew nothing about this story at much except for like how just everything one just one robin hood everything was betting on this on the stock so again the setup is 2021 we're 2020 2021 we're still in the middle of the pandemic and you know GameStop and amc started blowing up (coughs) excuse me GameStop you know started like just blowing up the stock and it's like whoa what's going on here and it's the Stop! Keep going, 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 and it was it was a huge. It was a huge moment again even during COVID. It was a huge moment that was happening. Uh, the movie has a fantastic cast. Uh, Greg who did this one, who I'm a huge fan of. has done, done stuff like uh, the Friday Night Remake in 2011, which I absolutely love. Um, Cruella, uh also again loved as well. Uh, Itania, he did a show called uh, Tam, and, Tam. Um, was it is it Pam and Tommy? Yeah, Pam and Tommy about. Uh, Pam Anderson, Tommy Lee, and also it's a great cast as well. Um, I've been a huge fan of this guy for a long, long time. So when well, I heard he was involved, he does a great job working with ensemble cast and just a great cat and, and solid direction of kind of these like these quote unquote biopics, but like kind of like narrative stel- narrative storytelling of like true events. And I think I'm, I'm very impressed with his direction and a sto- as a storyteller. Um, yeah, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, great acting throughout the entire from everyone, I think from from Paul Dano to um, Seth Rogen, America Ferrara, Anthony Ramos, Pete Davidson, Shalane Woodley. What goes on and on? This cast is phenomenal, and everyone brings their A game. And uh, great cast ensemble t- together are is phenomenal. To me, the pace of this movie is is good. It, it goes. You know, I didn't feel too bored. I never felt bored. I'm like oh, so this is kind of like now another one of these. Let's go on with it. No, I I the pace kind of flew by. And I was kept entertained the entire time. I wasn't like, oh man, this is kind of like getting a little repetitive. No, I I, I think the pace was v- very solid and it kept the movie going. It kept the movie very engaging. Um, great soundtrack too. I'm, I'm a big hip hop fan. I'm a big hip hop and rap fan. And this movie for sure had a soundtrack that fit the times of 2021, 2020. Um, Love the whole thing. Make the stallion. List goes on and on. Love the soundtrack. Um, Okay, it fit the like, 2021, 2020, the TikTok era, we're still in the TikTok era, but like TikTok was still kind of blowing up the song, dancing song and stuff like that. It just works. Like I said, the Craig Collapsee has a great direction from this. I think he's super underrated. He knows how to really make a great ensemble piece really work and make everyone have kind of their shine to be, have their moment to be had, have their a shining moment, whether it's, again, Anthony Ramos, whether it's America Ferrara, whether it's Paul Dana, whether it's Seth Rogen, it's it's, everyone has their moment, which is really cool. I think it's really good. A story, if a storyteller can do that, it got a showcase of like they're, they're, everyone's, every one of their actors' talents, it's it's a it's a win. And it's, it's a very, uh, very impressive thing to do. To me, it's reminding me a lot of The Big Short beat Social Network, Moneyball, minus the baseball stuff. I called it the love child of those three in my out of theater reaction, if you saw. Um, I saw, I saw resemblance of all three of those movies, whether social network with, you know, kind of the, the Fincher feel to it at times in this movie or the big short you know, during, st- stocks and financial stuff and Moneyball Cause, cause a, lot, lot heart, a lot of heart. It's a, it's an underdog story too, with this movie, like with, uh, Paul Dana playing, uh, the real guy, roaring kitty, which I'm playing on his name right now too. But, uh, it has all the kind of feels of those movies which again were all very well well made and great movies too I love Social number, I love Moneyball I love Big Short but this kind of felt like the love child of all three of those Um, to me the the main three big MVPs for me were America Ferrara Paul Dano Anthony Ramos they are all fantastic but when when the movie cuts around from different people and different and different um, uh, uh, B, uh, B story lines and A story B story to me, I was always more I was always more invested in their storylines. With Anthony Ramos, who was playing who was playing a GameStop guy during when this has happened, Game, GameStop employee during this happened, or you know, Paul Dano is the guy who kind of like driving this stock kind of up a lot because he's the one he's on YouTube kind of saying, bet on this one, bet on this one, this one, and also Michael Ferrara, who's playing a nurse, who was playing a, a, a single mom nurse who was just kind of just like trying trying to get a win. And again, she's a front she's a first responder, frontline worker. I know a lot of my friends are in COVID were frontline work were frontline first responders who really were just like working their asses off. And then she wanted to win. She wanted to win during this kind of shitty time. And she and it's like you feel for her to she's honestly to me like her and Mark and um, uh Anthony Ramos to me are like people that you can definitely like connect with because a lot of people that had to work during COVID, or had a worked had a work during COVID, or had to go in person during COVID, like you can definitely root for them because they're the ones kind of like in person dealing with all this kind of crazy shit. And to me, all of them had their moments, but those three especially. But you know, Paul Dano too, who I'm a huge fan of as well, even even before the Riddler stuff like you know uh, there will be blood and uh, Looper. He he's the, he's a he's a kind of cornball, un- unlikely hero that you can root for because he's so unorthodox and he's so just like. He's, so, he, he's out there, but it, but he works because, even though he's kind of a, a nobody. You root for him because he's trying to, like, get a win as well. And, you know, I we think we're all trying to get a win at, at the end of the day. So, of all three of them. Uh, and you know what? I'm not a big Pete Davidson fan, but he definitely impressed me in this movie. And I thought his chemistry between Paul Dano, who put the, and they played brothers, it felt authentic. It felt real. It felt genuine. It felt genuine. And I felt like they, they, were, they were actually brothers. Like, I felt like they were brothers, like, through and through. Like, I felt the brotherhood. Throughout the entire movie, I have my brother and myself and I felt like it was very genuine to me. My brother may go through some time when we're kind of like butting heads, stuff like that. So I definitely, definitely, definitely liked their brotherhood and I felt really true to me. And I can definitely tell in like movies or shows where like playing siblings or playing your love interest, whatever, you the chemistry is there. I feel the like chemistry between him and Paul Dana were, was like, spectacular and it really worked for me. Um, also, again, I, I, there was a lot in this, in this episode. Theatrical, theatrical, theatrical. I'm really glad this movie got a theatrical release. Uh, it showed me that Sony's still invested in, in releasing movies at this level and budget. It's definitely a, a lower budget mid-tier movie. This could have been a Netflix show, Netflix movie. This could have been a Hulu movie or Hulu sh- series. But I really give props to Sony, Sony uh, to like, still invest in other big budget stuff. This is this got a, this got a wide theatrical got a limited release first and then a wider theatrical release uh, as the weeks went on and unfortunately it didn't do too well, the box office which kind of breaks my heart, but I really give Sony a lot of props for for doing this, for actually for for believing in their lower budget, mid-tier movies and giving a wide theatrical release. Um, I hope more people find it when it comes on streaming or it comes on Blu-ray or you, you buy it or rent it. But I, to me, it's like, wow, it's showing the studios are still interested in, t- in, show, in kind of like producing it and, make, and, dist- and putting these movies out in theaters at these lower mid-tier budget movies. So. Kudos to you guys. Again, it got great reviews as well, but I think it was just an idea of like maybe because it was too it was too soon. Um, but I don't know. It, it I'm I but it makes me really happy that we have studios that are still believing in these kind of like lower budget movies. So that that is an IP or that isn't like a huge franchise. It, it's really refreshing to see that in a studio. Um also what I liked about it too is that it it showed and I think people don't realize this too, it showed how many people literally moved to other states when when things were shut down like i live i live in you know we all, me and nick live in arizona and how many people moved here because because we were open during covid and this movie kind of makes fun of that like how many people moved to open states because they, they couldn't like they couldn't be in the lockdown anymore and kind it of kind of it shows me a little made a little political jab i don't know what it is but to me i was kind of like huh they're showing that these people up these people moved to different states to avoid lockdown to like do certain things i'm just like huh it's very interesting that you put that in the movie so a little kind of take on that, um, but which I appreciate this movie and admire for what it was. I do some cons, I do some things I didn't like about it. Uh, like I said, to me the, the big thing is like really, I'm surprised the movie was made so soon because it happened only it happened two years ago, and it's really still fresh in our minds and people still talk about it from time to time. I thought it was like, well, this was a very, very quick turnaround for this movie. It's only been two years, so maybe maybe that's why I didn't do too well in the theaters because it was only a two. It was only a two year. Um, it was only a two year. Um, uh, you know, time—you uh, know—gap between this movie being made and it actually happening. So, that could have been, I think, a factor of it. Um, when they when it's funny, it's definitely a lot. Of, it's super funny, but I thought it was being more of a comedy at times. It's definitely more of a drama. Um, and I think some some of the uh, commercials make it look like a, like a full on comedy, or even the, the commercials on TikTok or Instagram, whatever, on YouTube. It's definitely more of a drama. There's a funny parts to it for sure. I, I left out loud a lot, lot, lot multiple times, but I thought it would be more more of an emphasis on the comedy. I was kind of like, oh, I wish we'd be funnier. Got a lot of good comedic actors in this. And I was like, oh, okay, because kind of wanted more from the comedy end of it. You know, there was maybe I'm surprised they mentioned AMC as well, because I thought I, I remember during this time it was both AMC and it was um, and it was um, GameStop, and they mentioned AMC like super quick and passing, and that was it. So I, was, I kind of wonder why this AMC wasn't brought up at all, or what brought up more in detail, more in depth, in this movie because this was a big part of both of them. I mean, both of them were going through it at the same time. So I wonder why that was cut out or, or, or not mentioned. I think my big, I think my biggest con of this movie, my biggest problem I had with this movie was, again, yeah, and the, 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 you heard. I I really do admire this movie for what it is and what they what they accomplish in, the, in the narrative storytelling of it all. Um, and, but. It, hard to believe that everyone was into stocks. Like, they, they'll, they'll be at like um, every location Seth Rogen, um, um, no, no, every location that Poldana was in, or some other people were, they were, like talking about stocks. It could be a coffee shop, it could be at like a CVS or whatever, or gas station. Stocks, stocks, stocks. And I'm like, was everyone really talking about stocks at this time? I had not hard to believe it was like everyone, like, they're talking about this and they asked the waiter, like, what do you think about GameStop? And this one girl removes her mask, like, oh, I think about this. And it's like, Really? Like, I find it hard to believe that everyone, everywhere they went. So i talking about stocks. Like, they could go anywhere. Like the gas station, CVS, the diner, literally anywhere. It was stock, or stock, stock, stock. So I'm like, I find it hard to believe that everyone they, they talked to, everyone that they ran to was talking about stocks. So a little hard to believe. Um, yeah, I'm a big admirer of Seth Rogan. I always have been since I was a kid. I feel like he could have been. It could have been maybe either replaced or more, or I don't know, his, his performance was kind of this like, kind of really stale to me. I'm like, okay, again, I'm a huge fan of his, but he, he didn't really add anything to the movie. And it could have been played by anyone else. It could have been played like someone like, um, an unknown or someone like me, like, I can't even think of anyone, but like, it, it didn't have to be him. I get it, It's star power, but also he worked with uh, Craig Lepsy on, um, Pam and Tommy. It just didn't feel, it didn't, it didn't really feel like he fed, fed into this movie as a performer, personally. Um, also you know they talk about they do cover robin hood and those two ceos one was played by uh, sebastian stan and i forgot the other guy other actor's name was the other ceo um <coughs> excuse me but um i felt like it could have been more executed or more developed too. it felt very rushed or kind of just kind of thrown in there kind of last minute so if that was kind of removed i don't think it had a kind of big impact on me or they could have mentioned what happened with, with robin hood do, with robin hood with what robin hood did and what they kind of like you know explored that would make more sense, but to give him like try to give him a story, it just didn't feel like I know it didn't feel real, it didn't feel well written or didn't feel like necessary either. Or because could have been in the past, and it could have been on the news. Robin Hood does this, but to give him the storyline, it just didn't feel like needed at all. Um, and also Nick Offerman, you know, love Nick Offerman. He didn't made like, two scenes, and they put him a lot in the trailer. He's barely in it too. And I was kind of like, wow, you have you got this big you've got this big actor right here, Nick Offerman, who's a big guy. Everyone loves him as you know. Ron Swanson also he was great in The Last of Us. Very underutilized. And I'm like, huh? You could, have util- you, could have, you could have utilized him more than Seth Rogen if you ask me, and or vice versa, or have more Nick Offerman and not as much of uh, uh, Seth Rogen, or have someone else play Seth Rogen's part. But that's how I felt about it too. So again, I still super, super, super enjoyed this movie. Uh, it might be my top ten of the year. Actually, at my end of the year, I'm giving this right now like a solid seven and a half, almost to an eight. I, again, I went in kind of just like hearing good things about it. Get, get great at the TIFF, uh, Toronto Film Festival. I've been kind of following this movie for a while with the production and stuff like that. And I was very impressed with it. Again, I had a good time with it. The, tra- the trailer sold me when, it, when they released a few months ago. I was in on this movie. Um, I think it's still playing. If you can see it, go see, go see it. You know, what? I think it's probably being now to a, maybe like a bargain theater or like maybe cheaper tickets because it's been out for a couple of months. But again, I give you so, so many props for really giving that movie a theatrical release. And so if you haven't seen it yet, I'd recommend seeing it in theaters. But if you're gonna wait, Watch it when it comes on Netflix or Hulu or Spotify or not Spotify, Spotify or that too or HBO Max or whatever. Or rented or buying on Blu-ray. Um, it's a very very good movie. I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, again, it's a biopic. I learned much, but it kind of made me want to go back and kind of read some more interviews and you know learn about learn about uh, the guy that Paul Dano plays, Roaring Kitty and stuff like that. So again, I had a good time with it. Super recommend it um Yeah, guys, that's my kind of review roundup episode. I've done one of these in a while, so it's good to be back. Like I said, I think the boys I will be back this week with a full episode of the show. i am also be reviewing, um, said that Alexander Payne's new movie, The Holdovers, which Paul Giamatti, Devine Join Randolph, which I absolutely love. I cannot wait to review this movie. It's so 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 good. Um, I think it's hitting limited theater theaters uh, November third. Uh, no, no, I know it's hitting that in Phoenix, Phoenix November third, and like more markets throughout the weeks, but. I love this movie so much. I can't wait to review it. But yeah, guys, hope you enjoyed this review roundup episode. Hope you had a great Halloween. Hope you're getting ready for the holiday season how I am. But as always, guys, thank you so much. And as always, we will see you at the movies. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.